You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I'm your host, Simon. Welcome, welcome. Why I'm here. One of my writers, in this case, Ilza, has written me a script. Thank you, Ilza. It's Edgar Allan Poe, A Mysterious End. And I I've definitely made videos about Edgar Allan Poe, and I know he, like, died in some weird way. What a weirdo! Wasn't he, like, sick for a while, or he was- he kind of lost his mind a little bit? I don't know, and everyone's probably- Soon as I saw when you made a biographics video about him, which is another channel I do where I talk about like people's whole lives. And so, so obviously I've covered this before and I'm vaguely familiar with it. But I think that was like several years ago. So I remember nothing because as I often say, sometimes it's straight in the eyes and out of the mouth. What? Anyway, what happens? Uh, I'm going to read this. We're going to learn it together. Decode it. It's a... Uh, Kind of, that's what we do here, I guess. And then Jen, afterwards, our wonderful editor, is going to add some uh, videos if you're watching, some audio if you're listening, all of that editing stuff. And it should be a fun show. Let's jump in. It was a dark and rainy October night in the city of Baltimore. Winter was marching steadily closer, so the night was chilly and the rain certainly wasn't helping. He shoved his hands into the pockets of his coat as he hurried towards Gunner's Hall. The creaking of wagon wheels and the steady clip-clop of a horse's hooves on the road masked his own steps. This is very atmospheric, it was a very nice start. The gas lights flickered ominously behind protective glass. It was election day, and the time to choose a new sheriff was at hand. Gunner's Hall, a local pub, had been set up as a temporary polling station. It was a lot easier to convince people to come out and vote if a dream with friends was on the cards. Hell yeah. Polling stations normally it's like, why am I in a school? It smells like school. It reminds me of school. It's not nice. If they had it in a pub, it'd be way better. Wanna go get a drink? He made his way toward the pub, trying to avoid the rain as much as possible, and his mind wandered back to work. Setting up the text for print was an interesting job. He got to read the news first for a start, but the life of a newspaper man wasn't easy. What was considered headlines today could be forgotten tomorrow, so keeping up with the news cycle was a stressful occupation. As he reached the pub, he saw a man dressed in well-worn, ill-fitting clothes lying in the gutter. He appeared to be delirious, a condition most likely caused by copious amounts of drink, but this was a pop popular pub after all, so drunken vagabonds stumbling around the gutter was hardly an uncommon sight. However, something made him pause. Instead of writing off this man as just another drunk, he felt compelled to take a second look, as if some supernatural force was directing his gaze. He stopped, astounded, when realization dawns. This was not just any man, not just a drunken lout. He knew this man. In fact, anyone who appreciated a good story knew this man. He was a celebrated poet and writer. It was none other than Edgar Allan Poe. Do you know what famous writers look like, though? I mean, I know some of them have it, like, on the inside of the cover of the book. They've got a picture of themselves. But I feel like most writers, I guess if you're mega famous, like J.K. Rowling. Rowling? J.K. Rowling? Whatever. I vaguely know what she looks like. Do I know what she looks like good enough to, like, recognize her face if I walked past her? I don't think so. But then again, if I walk past Tom Cruise, I'll be like, that guy looks like Tom Cruise. It's not Tom Cruise. What are the odds of that? <laughs> They'd be like, Tom. They'd be like, hello. 
what i'm trying to say is do people generally know what authors look like i don't think so i also just i i just i'm always just assuming if i see someone famous that it's not actually them and it'd be really awkward if it was not them and you'd be like oh my god are you tom cruise i'd be like no <laughs> okay i don't even look like him do i oh no i thought you did i'm sorry it's not because you're short the woe of poe the life of edgar Allan poe was not an easy or happy one he was born edgar poe on january the 19th 1809 in boston massachusetts the son of two actors british actress elizabeth arnold poe and baltimore native david poe jr sadly poe never really knew his parents his father left the family early and his mother died of tuberculosis when the boy was only three after his mother's death poe was separated from his brother william and his sister rosalie and sent to live with john and francis allen in richmond virginia eventually he took the name Allen after his foster parents and became Edgar Allan Poe. While Poe and Francis had a close relationship, the same couldn't be said of Poe and John. John, a tobacco merchant, wanted his foster son to follow in his footsteps and take over the family business. But that was not meant to be. By the age 13, Poe was already a prolific poet, and while his interest was discouraged by both John Allen and the boy's headmaster at the time, Poe knew what he wanted to do, and it had little to do with tobacco or business. Yeah, I couldn't think of two things that are more different. <laughs> Running a tobacco company and poet. I get the feeling poet is, I mean, literally what the son of the guy who runs the tobacco company can do. I don't know, what's poet like that? Do poets make money? In my mind, it's like poets don't make money. Maybe they do. I don't know. I guess so. People read poetry. I guess so. I don't know. In 1826, Poe joined the University of Virginia. He excelled academically, but John Allen didn't provide him with enough funds to cover all of his expenses, so he fell into gambling to try and make ends meet. Gambling, as we all know, is not really a solid business decision, and Poe soon landed in debt. Shocking. When it's like, I don't have enough money to get by, what am I going to do? I guess I could gamble. I mean, statistically, no. That's not how it works. It's like, how am I going to solve all of my life's problems? I'm deeply in debt, and I'm... You know, gonna go to well it's not debtors prison anymore but you're gonna have all your shit taken away and be paying it off forever gonna go bankrupt don't worry i'm just gonna play that euro millions lottery aren't i easy his foster father refused to provide any assistance so poe left school and returned home however another heartbreak was waiting for him his neighbor and fiance sarah Amira royster had become engaged to someone else while he'd been away at school at this point poe decided that home was not where he wanted to be after all and he left for boston in 1829 poe learned that francis allen was dying from tuberculosis and immediately returned home but when he arrived she had already passed away while in virginia poe and john allen appeared to make peace and allen helped poe who had joined the army in 1827 to get an appointment to the united states military academy at west point this dude has some connections once again poe excelled academically but was kicked out a year later there's some speculation that poe had a disagreement with his foster father and essentially got himself expelled in order to spite allen yeah i think i actually made a video all about this in fact i think i've done a video specifically on poe getting thrown out of west point if i remember and it was a hell of a story i don't remember enough details that he what channel i did that on or what video it is but i think it's out there somewhere in the depths of youtube probably not in the depths it's probably been seen quite quite a few people i would imagine imagination Regardless of the reason, Poe would not make another attempt at academics. Instead, he decided to focus on his writing and found himself traveling, looking for work, and living in New York City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Richmond. In 1834, John Allen died, and in their last act of rejection, he cut Poe out of his will, leaving everything to an illegitimate child that Poe had never met. 
By this time, however, Poe and his foster father had cut ties completely, and Poe was living in Baltimore with his father's sister, Maria Clem, and her daughter, his cousin Virginia, who soon became his love interest and his inspiration. Uh, they married in 1836 when Virginia was only 13. Holy sh**, dude. Did you just marry your 13-year-old cousin? That's f***ed up. Even for the time, that's got to be f***ed up, right? You're right. Even by 1836 standards, 13 was a very young age to get married. Yes, my dude, what are you up to? However, by all accounts, the union was a happy one. I don't think that really matters. It's still f***ing weird, dude. The couple never had any children, and in 1847, at the age of 24, Virginia died of tuberculosis, the same disease that had claimed both Poe's mother and foster mother, and also loads of other people. It was the 1800s, and it's tuberculosis. Poe took the death of his wife very hard and drowned his sorrows in drink. There are many rumors regarding Poe and suggestions that he was both mad and an opium addict. Most of these rumors originated with R.W. Griswold, a critic who was no fan of Poe and decided that the narrators imposed short stories, the majority of the murderers and madmen, were, in fact, manifestations of the author's psyche. Now I'll admit, we writers can go to dark places in our imagination, and Poe's imagination was particularly macabre. Yeah, no shit, it's Edgar Allan Poe. If there was a dictionary definition of the word macabre, I feel like Poe I mean, there is a def dictionary definition, but I feel Poe could be in there. Thankfully, however, most writers of horror are not secretly mad, opium-addicted murderers. On top of his many losses and the rumors regarding his sanity, Poe struggled financially. He was determined to make a living by the pen and worked as an editor as well as a literary critic to make up for the meager takings he was receiving from his literary works, despite their popularity. He was not a particularly beloved critic, though, as he was rather harsh and he didn't make many friends. However, despite his best efforts, he struggled financially until his death. Poe was only 40 when he died, a life that ended far too soon. That feels like the end of the video, but we're only just getting started, so let's crack on. The Wonder of Poe Now, we can do an entire video just on the literary contributions of Poe, but this video is about his death, so I'll keep this very brief. Oh, thank God. <laughs> a little bit of insight here. I read a script for another channel I host called Biographics, and I was just reading it, and I was like, this is just a, a bibliography. You're just talking about the guy's writing. This isn't a literary review channel. This is a channel about uh, the dude's life. Can we include something about his actual life, please? Need this redone. <laughs> savage. He's going savage. Run for your life! Poe may be best known for The Raven, but he is considered by some as the father of the short story as we know it today. And his work inspired future authors like Ambrose Bierce and H.P. Lovecraft, an author well known for creating grisly tales himself. Also, I've done a biographics video about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, um, so you can check that out if you want, but remember, finish this one first because I need your watch time. Or if you're listening as a podcast, need your listen time, I suppose. So thank you, thank you. While he was well known for his horror tales, Poe is also credited to be a pioneer in science fiction. The unparalleled adventure of one Hans Fall tells the story of a man escaping from his creditors by flying to the moon in a balloon. <laughs> Sounds close to home, doesn't it? It's like escaping his gambling debts. How am I going to escape? Fly away to space. The journey takes 19 days, which Hans carefully documents, and upon his arrival, he finds the moon already inhabited. The story was published in 1835, 17 years after Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, commonly accepted as the first work of science fiction, and long before science fiction became recognized as a serious genre. More importantly, for our purposes anyway, Poe is generally considered to be the creator of Detective Story. He wrote three short stories documenting the adventures of one C. Auguste Dupont, an amateur detective in Paris who solves crimes that have the police stumped and whose brilliance and gift for deduction is faithfully documented by his companion. I'm sure that sounds familiar. Yes, it does, doesn't it? It's elementary, my dear Watson. Ah, 
clever, right? Now, I interrupt today's podcast to bring you a very important message. Very important because it's from our very good friends over at HelloFresh, the sponsor of today's episode. HelloFresh deliver fresh quality produce from farm to your door in less than a week so you can savor summer flavors right from home, which is nice. I've talked about this before. I don't mind cooking. I like cooking. What I don't like is grocery shopping. When it gets sent to your door in all, by the way, all the right sizes, all the right portions. So there's no like, oh yeah, I need like four sticks of asparagus. The other day I went to the store. I was like, I need some asparagus just for, you know, a tiny little side on the dish I was making. Is that, what does the store have? Oh, you've got to buy like three kilograms of asparagus. Also, asparagus, surprisingly expensive. Um, That was an adventure. You don't have any of that with HelloFresh. Everything comes in just the right sizes, which also reduce food wastage. Also reduces, I don't know, with the asparagus. It comes in like this giant plastic thing. There's like 700 rubber bands around. It's like, what are we doing, guys? Stop it. This is so wasteful. We're destroying our world. HelloFresh. I mean, you could say that they are kind of saving the world, aren't they? It's brilliant. Discover seasonal summer recipes like cucumber stuffed stuff. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? Cucumber salad stuffed pita pockets, chicken sausage stuffed peppers, Tuscan spiced shrimp, and so, so much more. Customize your favorite dishes with new HelloFresh offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another. Oh, that's nice. So if you're like, well, this sounds delicious, but I'd rather have it with uh, pork rather than chicken. Amazing. Look, HelloFresh is the right way to do it. It just reduces the stress. You don't have to think about it. You choose some meals ahead of time. Bada bing, bada boom. It arrives at your door. You whip it up. And look at you, you home chef, you. Go to HelloFresh.com slash decoding16 and use the code decoding16 for up to 16 free meals. And what's this? Three free gifts. Yes, please. HelloFresh.com slash decoding16. Use code decoding16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. And now... Ooh, they say it's a highly encouraged voice the following. America's number one meal kit. There you go. And now you know. And now, back to the show. A strange disappearance and mysterious end. The story of Poe's death plays out like a story that could have only been written by Poe himself. On September 27, 1849, Poe left Richmond, Virginia for Baltimore. From Baltimore, he was to continue on to Philadelphia to edit a collection of poems for Mrs. St. Leon Loud, a minor American poet at the time. He was in Richmond as part of a lecture tour to collect subscribers and money for Stylus, a magazine he hoped to launch. He was in good spirits as he had recently reunited with his first love, Ms. Royster, and they were engaged to be married. Wait, isn't that the one that he left to go to school? And then he comes back and she got engaged to someone else. <laughs> be like, Poe, leave it, let it, let it go. Come on. Well, I mean, at least she's not 13, I suppose. So at least there's that. After completing the job in Philly, he was set to return to New York, where he'd been living at the time, to pick up his aunt, Mrs. Clem, and escort her back to Richmond for the wedding. Poe never made it to Philadelphia. In fact, after getting on the boat to Baltimore, Poe disappeared without a trace. An interesting little factoid is that on his last night in Richmond, he visited the office of Dr. John F. Carter. Upon leaving, he mistook Dr. Carter's malacca cane for his own. This cane contained a hidden sword, but it's not clear whether Poe actually knew this. My grandfather, who I never met, had a, a walking stick with a sword in it. And I think my nan had it. I vague. This is one of those things where it's like, I know he had one. Or at least my nan told me that he had one. I can't remember whether I've actually seen this thing or not. It's like definitely in my mind I have a memory of it. But I feel like it's one of those things that, you know, you were, it could just be a, a made-up memory. But swords inside canes? Kind of cool. Very cool. 
What happened to Poe after he got on the boat is a mystery. There are no records of him checking in to an inn or booking train tickets. In fact, his trunk with all his belongings was later recovered at the Swan Tavern in Richmond. Now, I can understand forgetting to pack your toothbrush or an airline losing your luggage, but it seems rather strange that Poe would leave without his trunk. Did he forget it, or was it left behind intentionally? On October the 3rd, 1849, Joseph W. Walker, compositor for the Baltimore Sun, came across Poe wandering the street outside Gunners Hall. The writer was delirious and dressed in cheap stained clothing instead of his usual smart black wool suit. According to some sources, he still had Carter's cane with him. Walker never specified where exactly he found Poe. The claim that he was found in the gutter makes for a far more dramatic story, but this seems to be a later addition. Poe could have been inside Gunners Hall, outside in the street, or in fact, lying in the gutter. Gunners Hall, usually a pub, was also a temporary voting station, so it was crowded. Even though Walker didn't know Poe personally, he recognized the poet immediately and, concerned about his condition, asked if there was anyone in Baltimore he could contact. Poe gave Walker the name of an acquaintance, Joseph E. Snodgrass, a magazine editor with some medical training. Walker immediately wrote a note to Snodgrass informing him of Poe's condition and asking for his assistance. Both Snodgrass and Poe's uncle, Henry Herring, arrived and, alarmed by Poe's delirious state, decided to send him to Washington College Hospital, where he was treated by Dr. J.J. Moran. If this was a Poe short story, Dr. Moran would be the questionable doctor. He appears to be the only person who had access to Poe for four days and that he was in hospital, and his accounts of what actually happened in those four days vary so wildly that he's quite possibly one of the least credible witnesses. Not exactly the traits I look for in a doctor. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you should be writing this down on some sort of chart or something, doctor. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Poe was admitted to the ward reserved for patients suffering from alcohol-induced ailments. However, Dr. Moran later stated that there was no smell of alcohol on his breath or any other indications that he'd been drinking. This contradicted other statements that he'd made to friends, which suggested that Poe was in fact drunk at the time he was admitted. Not only did his account of Poe's last days constantly change, Dr. Moran was also refused to allow any visitors. When Poe's cousin tried to visit, he was turned away and told that Poe was too excitable to allow any visitors. Sadly, in the four days between when he was found and his death on October the 7th, 1849, Poe never fully regained consciousness. Instead, he remained delirious, experienced visual hallucinations, and the night before his death, he repeatedly called out for Reynolds. To this day, we don't actually know who this Reynolds person was. This being a mystery, though, there are a few theories. I remember one of the theories that was like intense was that he got rabies, that he got bitten by a rabid animal, and then that these symptoms were um, like the rabies setting in and then obviously killing him a few days later, which is what rabies does to you, even today. No treatment. Like if you get rabies and you get a symptom, I feel like I've mentioned this, I've definitely mentioned this on other shows before. Rabies is scary. Like you get bitten with something infected by rabies and then if you have any symptom you're dead you're dead like there's it's like two or three people in the history of the world have survived rabies so yeah and it's a horrible death some suggest that in his delirious state, Poe could have been confusing reality with fiction, and he was referring to Jeremiah Reynolds, who might have been his inspiration for a character in his novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Others think that Reynolds could have been Henry R. Reynolds, a carpenter and election judge in the Fourth Ward where Poe was found. If you support the cooping theory, which I'll come to in a moment, this might make sense, okie dokie. W.T. Bandy suggested the poem might have been calling out for Herring, his uncle, but was unable to say the name clearly. However, I'm not exactly sure how, yeah, what are you talking about? How does that sound like Reynolds? <laughs> Reynolds! Reynolds! 
Herring sounds completely different. Of course, we only have Dr. Moran's word that any of this actually happens. According to Dr. Moran, Poe's last words were, Lord, help my poor soul. Or in a later paper, Dr. Moran claimed that Poe's last words were, He who arched the heavens and upholds the universe has his decrees legibly written upon the frontlet of every human being and upon demons incarnate. Dude, you are what is up with your inconsistent telling of this story and did you not think anyone would compile this when a famous author dies and they just realize that you're just clearly making shit up however considering that he was barely conscious at the time i suspect the doctor may have gotten a little creative with this one there is no death certificate for poe and his death was ascribed to congestion of the brain which uh doesn't really tell us anything useful. Theories behind his death While I personally find the mystery of where he was for five days far more interesting, there is simply no information on that, so like my fellow Poe sleuths, I'll have to focus on the mystery of how he died. I'm fairly sure that due to lack of medical advancement, quite a lot of people died mysteriously in 1849. However, let's follow in the example of Mr. Dupin, look at the evidence, and solve the mystery of Edgar Allan Poe. And I think we're going to solve it. It's still a mystery, right? Is it still a mystery? I'm fairly sure because the rabies theory I know, and it's definitely not confirmed, that people still speculate on what caused his death. Right? You're right. I know. Was alcohol to blame? For a very long time after his death, alcohol was considered to be the killer. It's true that alcohol was no friend of Poe's. During Virginia's illness and after his death, he took to the bottle and drank quite heavily. However, he never drank to such an extent that he would have sclerosis of the liver or any other health defects associated with prolonged alcoholism. This is partly due to an interesting hereditary defect. Poe had a rather extreme reaction to alcohol and would be completely drunk after a single glass of wine. That sounds convenient and cheap. A couple of months before his death, however, Poe joined the temperance movement and was, according to letters written to his aunt, determined to stay completely sober. According to Susan Archer Tally Weiss, a biographer during Poe's final days in Richmond, he had fallen very ill. He was staying at his rooms at the Old Swan Tavern, where he was taken care of by Mrs. Mackenzie. He improved, but after suffering a second relapse, was taken to Duncan's Lodge, where he was cared for by his doctor. After making a somewhat miraculous recovery, his doctor informed him that another attack like that would be fatal. According to Weiss, Poe replied that if people would not tempt him, he would not fall. This would suggest that whatever the illness was, drink was to blame. It also appears that Poe was easily tempted by the demons of the bottle. Yeah, and if he can get super drunk after a glass of wine, one's well, after two glasses, he's like passed out in the gutter drunk, then it sounds entirely possible that this is what happened. Because that's, I mean, it's a couple of glasses of wine. It's quite easy to do. Those around Poe in his last days seem convinced that Poe did fall off the wagon in Baltimore and alcohol was to blame for his death. His friend J.P. Kennedy wrote on October 10, 1849, The Poe had died from the effects of debauch. He fell in with some companion who seduced him to the bottle. The consequence was fever, delirium, and madness. However, keep in mind that Kennedy was only reporting what he had been told by J.E. Snodgrass, hardly the most unbiased and credible source in this whole saga, but we'll get to him in a bit. Was that the doctor? Was that the doctor or was that with someone else? I remember Snodgrass. I guess we'll find out. In his memoir of Poe, R.H. Stoddard had a different theory. According to some relatives of Poe, while waiting in Baltimore for the train to Philadelphia, Poe was tempted into a drink with a friend. Considering the effects a single glass would have, he then got on the wrong end of the train and went as far as Havre de Grace before being returned to Baltimore in a state bordering on delirium. There doesn't seem to be any actual proof of this, so where the story came from, we're not entirely sure. Stoddard himself is a supporter of the cooping theory, so while alcohol may have affected Poe's decision-making and landed him in serious trouble, Stoddard doesn't believe it was the alcohol that killed him. 
What is this cooping theory? So the alcohol theory might explain how he died, but it doesn't explain why he disappeared for four or five days or why he was found wearing secondhand clothes. Modern science also throws a spanner in the works. Samples of Poe's hair from after his death show low levels of lead. In the mid-1800s, lead content in both bottles and wine was still fairly common. Lovely. So lead levels can be used to determine whether or not someone had been drinking. The low levels of lead suggest that Poe had not been drinking to excess when he died. Yeah, but he can't drink to excess. Because while the alcohol affects him a lot the amount of the lead is going to be really small because he just can't drink that much additionally if the delirium was in fact induced by alcohol as the theory stage it should have worn off after a day or two but poe was delirious and hallucinating until his death sadly the story of poe dying to alcohol was propagated by people with their own agendas j.e snodgrass was a prominent moment of the temperance movement and gave lectures where he blamed poe's death on binge drinking presumably to illustrate the dangers of alcohol of course however snodgrass is hardly a reliable source he greatly exaggerated the extent of poe's drinking to make a point not cool mr snodgrass not cool yeah but he's got his own agenda i mean of course he's biased we don't do we expect him not to be Alcohol-induced psychosis can be caused by either overindulging or withdrawal symptoms. However, for Poe to have been experiencing an alcohol-induced psychosis, he would have needed to be very drunk, which hair samples suggest he wasn't, or he needed to be very addicted and experiencing extreme withdrawal symptoms. Poe certainly had problems with alcohol, but he was never a hardcore alcoholic. So, did the alcohol kill him? While it most certainly could have played a part, I'm not entirely convinced. However, I think with alcohol, if you're a hardcore alcoholic, you tolerate your booze pretty well. Like, you can drink a lot and you can deal with it. Whereas Poe isn't an alcoholic, so the chances of him, like, being super messed up by, especially because he has this hereditary thing, if he just went on some crazy binge when he doesn't regularly drink, it's going to ruin him and make him a lot more messed up than uh, an alcoholic who goes on a crazy binge because the alcoholic will be just drinking a crazy amount and just be like, yep, feeling pretty good. It feels so good. Whereas Poe will be like, oh my god, I'm in the ditch again! The question of Poe's health. Another possible culprit in Poe's death was his poor health. He had health issues plenty. Dr. Valentine Mott, a famous New York doctor, and Mrs. Shu, a trained nurse, were both of the opinion that Poe had some sort of lesion in his brain and had suffered a brain fever around 1847. There were some suggestions that this lesion may, in fact, be responsible for Poe's extreme reactions to alcohol. I thought they said it was hereditary. Isn't that that's a genetic thing, right? In May 1848, Dr. John W. Francis diagnosed Poe with a heart disease. Mrs. Shu, the nurse who helped his aunt, Mrs. Clem, take care of him during a bout of illness, mentioned the scar of a wound to his left shoulder. Poe also admitted to being hurt in the region of the heart, and his head appeared to have been injured. Apparently, no one other than Vivian knew what had happened, and she never betrayed her husband's confidence. So, had Poe been in a fight? Had he been the victim of an unknown crime? Without records, we just don't know. But an earlier injury could definitely have affected his health in the long term. In his letters to his aunt in 1849, Poe referred to his ill health multiple times. It's possible he might have contracted cholera, and by July the 7th, he claimed that he had been so ill that he could hardly hold a pen. In a letter dated July 19th, he claimed to be much improved, but the fact is, healthy Poe was not. From Poe's letter to his aunt, we also know that before leaving Richmond for Philadelphia, Poe had been very ill with what was probably flu. In fact, his doctor had recommended that he not travel as he wasn't well enough. Poe, however, insisted on making the trip. It was raining in Baltimore when he arrived, and some Poe historians feel it's possible that the rain and cold exasperated the flu 
that he already had. If the fluid progressed into full-blown pneumonia, a high fever could explain the delirious condition that he was in when he was found. In a more recent twist to the mystery, Dr. R. Michael Benitez theorized that Poe died from rabies. There you go, that's the one I've heard of. In 1996, Dr. Benitez made the diagnosis at a clinical pathological conference. Doctors were provided with anonymous patients and a list of symptoms and expected to diagnose the patient and then confer with other doctors and records to see if the diagnosis was correct. Dr. Benitez received an anonymous patient, E.P., a writer from Richmond. According to E.P.'s physician, Dr. J.J. Moran, the patient had been admitted to hospital due to lethargy and confusion. Soon his condition deteriorated, and the patient experienced delirium, visual hallucinations, variations in pulse, and rapid shallow breathing. Within four days, which is the average survival rate once serious rabies symptoms appear, the patient had died. I like the rabies theory because it's scary. <laughs> But another thing I think is it can often be a combination of things. I mean, not a combination of rabies, but like where well, he had the flu, he had this heart thing, he had this brain thing, he had the alcohol thing. It's like, so maybe he had the flu and then he traveled and it was cold and rainy and he just went to have a little drink to make himself feel better. And all of these combined to just make him super fucked up and he died in a gutter. I mean, a combination is totally possible. The first problem with this theory can be placed at the door of Dr. Moran himself as he gave contradicting statements. In one instance, he claims that Poe appeared to have difficulty drinking water. Dr. Benitez interpreted this as hydrophobia, a fear of water, which is an indicator of rabies. However, according to a later record by the same doctor, Poe was drinking water without any problem while in hospital. There was also no evidence of an animal bite, though this is not entirely unusual. Rabies patients often don't remember being bitten by an animal. Rabies or not, Poe was in poor health when he left for Philadelphia, and this most likely played at least a part in his demise. Yeah, it's a combination. Combination. Was Poe a victim of cooping? I've no idea. What is cooping? Is that how you even say cooping? Or is it cooing? Another popular theory has to do with election fraud. Voter fraud was very common in Baltimore during this time. Well, if it's in that situation, I assume it's going to be like, you know, a coup where you do something with, uh, you know, you overthrow someone. Like, or rig and, I guess, like, this is political. So shouldn't it then be cooing? Like, a coup d'etat? I don't know. Jeez. Let's go with cooping because that's what my dictionary person says. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Voter fraud was very common in Baltimore during this time. Ballots were stolen, judges were bribed, and voters were threatened and intimidated. In a practice known as cooping, political gangs would kidnap the potential voters. The victims would be held in a room referred to as a coop, hence the term cooping. There we go. And they would be plied with alcohol, beaten into submission, and forced to vote for a specific candidate multiple times wearing various disguises. Garner's Hall, where Poe was found, was known to be used by coopers. Considering Poe's poor heart, it's unlikely that he would have survived such treatment. On top of that, before prohibition, voters would often be rewarded for voting with a drink. With Poe's extreme reaction to alcohol, if he'd been captive, fed with alcohol, and then given alcohol each time after voting and voting multiple times, it's no surprise that he was found delirious. In fact, if this was what happened, he should have been in a coma by the time he was found. It seems like he very nearly was in a coma, though, wasn't he? He was totally delirious. According to J. Ingram, Poe's biographer, he received a letter around 1870 from William Hans Brown, 
a member of the faculty at Johns Hopkins. Brown stated that the general belief among some of his colleagues was that Poe had been kidnapped by one of these gangs, cooped, given alcohol, and then dragged out and forced to vote before being dumped in a gutter and left to die. So this certainly supports the cooping theory. There may actually be some proof behind this theory. Really? I just thought, I mean, this is a theory. I don't know. It feels less likely than just the he just got drunk when he had a cold and then just going to stupor theory you know occam's razor simplest ones usually right but i'm eager to hear this proof let's go apparently an anonymous letter was sent to eugene didier author of the poe cult and other poe papers by alexander hins a baltimore attorney on December the 8th, 1879. Hins only identified his source as a prominent man in San Francisco. In the letter, the anonymous source claimed to have seen Poe in the coop where they were kept. So, was there an eyewitness to Poe's fate? There are a number of problems with this letter. The first is simply the fact that it's anonymous, so it's impossible to determine its authenticity. Considering that the person who was held in the coop had been the victim of a crime, it seems strange that he would insist on being anonymous. On top of that, Poe died in 1849. The letter only saw the light of day 30 years later oh my god i'm just this is just i'm completely discounting this because it's reason for being biased eyewitness testimony decades after the fact it's nonsense so why was the mysterious source anonymous why did he choose to remain quiet for 30 years considering the mystery around poe's death most serious scholars consider the letter to be sensationalist journalism at best and honestly i tend to agree yes it's all a f lie another name associated with the cooping theory is pisano according to elizabeth ellicott poe and villa poe wilson in the book edgar Allan poe a high priest of the beautiful a man named pisano was associated with a particular political gang responsible for kidnapping and holding poe confessed on his death but, however, no records exist of his testimony, and since it's not even clear whether Pisano was a first or last name, sleuths have very little to go on. There is one big unanswered question about the cooping theory. Why was it only mentioned for the first time in 1860 during John R. Thompson's lecture tour? What made Thompson come to this conclusion? Was he privy to some information that others weren't? Cooping was a highly illegal practice, and if it could be linked to the death of a well-known poet, anyone involved in the business were, would at least lose their careers and at worst go to prison. <laughs> really that's like they you could lose your job for essentially kidnapping multiple people and then rigging an election it sounds like you should definitely go to prison for this the last thing any prominent politician or judge wanted to be associated with was the death of edgar Allan poe did thompson overhear something in a pub did he get a secret letter confessing to the truth from a guilt-ridden gangster we'll never know for sure where this theory originated but it's become one of the most popular theories to explain poe's demise it's there's not enough evidence yes maybe it happens but until there's like more evidence i'm really more inclined to go with the the simpler theory the cooing theory may explain why poe was found wearing clothes that weren't his but there is one big problem other than the fact that poe would most likely not have survived five days of such rough treatment poe was known in baltimore the poe family was well established in the city it's unlikely he'd be able to enter a polling station multiple times without someone going eh, wait a minute i need that guy who wrote the raven if the officials were so corrupt that Poe being recognized wouldn't have mattered, it raises the question as to why the disguises would have been necessary in the first place. 
An interesting side note is that Poe's cousin, Nielsen Poe, was a delegate for the Whig Party in the 18th Ward, so there are some family ties to politics here. There have been rumors that Nielsen did, in fact, know what happened to his cousin, but if he did, he never admitted anything. There is no proof that Nielsen had anything to do with or knew anything about Poe, possibly being cooped. It's an interesting little fact, though. Yeah, it's a fun little aside. Or was that one in the last episode? I don't know, it's the last episode that you've listened to. These don't come out in order generally but it was like Ernst Shackleton brother was implicated in some like heist and fraud and all of this stuff it was exciting it's a fun little side fact but it doesn't it's it's just a side fact that's all it is did Poe have a brain tumor so if it wasn't alcohol flu or cooping perhaps it was a brain tumor that did him in this theory was proposed by author Matthew Pearl who wrote a novel about Poe's death after Poe died he was buried in an unmarked grave in Baltimore over 26 years later a statue was erected in the graveyard to honor the poet and the decision was made to move his remains from the unmarked grave and rebury him at the statue. As it turned out, being buried for two decades had taken its toll. The coffin and remains were not in the best condition, and it all fell apart when workers tried to move it. Not so much not much remains of what was once the great poet, but one of the workers did remark that there was a mass rolling around inside the skull. Oh my god, that's gross, dude. The newspapers, of course, ran with the story that the clump was, in fact, Poe's brain. It was shriveled and dried, but clearly the poet's great mind still remains. Dudes, really? This is nasty shit. But once again, science stepped up to destroy the magic. The soft parts of the body, including the brain, are usually the first to go. So, after 26 years, Poe's brain matter would most definitely be gone. Pearl, intrigued by this story, contacted a forensic pathologist who explained that some tumors can calcify after death. Dr. Mott may not have had an x-ray machine in 1947, but he might have been onto something. Poe possibly had a lesion on his brain after all. However, Pearl is quick to point out that a person can have a brain tumor and still be killed by something else. Yeah, or it could affect his behavior and all of this stuff. Again, this is something I definitely wouldn't discount as a possibility, but I mean, I don't think it's the sole thing. It's probably just another one of those things that contributed to his ill health, which helped contribute to his death. A murder most foul. Of course, any great mystery needs a possible murder. This far more sensational, though probably far less likely theory, was proposed by John Evangelist Walsh in his book Midnight Dreary, The Mysterious Death of Edgar Allan Poe. According to Walsh, Poe was murdered by the brothers of Elmira Shelton, his bride-to-be. Uh-oh. I hope he put lots of allegedlies in his book. In this version of events, Poe did in fact arrive in Philadelphia. However, he was ambushed by Shelton's three brothers, who didn't want their sister marrying a pauper, and warned Poe not to go through with the wedding. Unnerved by the experience, Poe disguised himself, which would explain the clothes, and hid in Philadelphia for about a week before setting off for Richmond to get married. However, Shelton's brothers caught up with him in Baltimore. They beat him, forced him to drink whiskey, being fully aware of what drinking so much alcohol would do to him, and they left him on the street, possibly with the intent to let him die. While this story is certainly a far more exciting version of events, most serious Poe historians consider it to be entertaining, but highly unlikely. Yes, again, it's of course it's possible. Is it likely? No. No. Until we have some proof, it's always the most obvious one. That's what the default position should be. Or aliens or ghosts. Either of those three things. The most obvious, aliens or ghosts. Beaten and mugged. This theory is a little more plausible, but not so much. In her article, Autobiographic Notes, Edgar Allan Poe, E. Oak Smith suggests that Poe was beaten up by a ruffian who knew no better mode of avenging supposed injuries because of a woman who considered herself injured by him. How or when this supposed injury happened, or who the woman might be, is conveniently left out, so this seems unlikely. Another account by Eugene Didier suggests that Poe had been tempted by friends to join them for drinks. Poe, unable to handle drink, became hopelessly drunk after just 
just a single glass and then was left by his friends in the street. Apparently, Poe had a poor choice of friends. In this state, he was beaten, mugged, and left in the street, drunk and delirious. Poe had just finished the lecture tour, so he should have at least had a little money on him. However, he was found without a penny, so it's entirely possible that at some time in his five missing days, he was mugged. Poisoning in the 19th century, coal gas was used for indoor lighting, so perhaps Poe was poisoned by something far more common. In 1999, Albert Donnay, a public health researcher, suggested that Poe might have succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. Clippings from Poe's hair were tested for heavy metals, but tests were inconclusive. And this is—this comes up on this show and Casual Criminalist all the time, like the, the other podcast did. If you want to check it out, get a carbon monoxide detector for fuck's sake. If you don't have one in your house, just go out, buy one. I don't know. What are they in American? Like $10, maybe? It's not expensive. Go get one. You won't regret it, and it might save your life one day. While heavy metal levels didn't confirm carbon monoxide poisoning, something else did show up. Elevated levels of mercury. Mercury poisoning could explain Poe's hallucinations and the delirium he experienced before his death. Poe was prescribed calomel, or mercury chloride, after being exposed to a cholera epidemic. This explains the mercury levels in his hair, but researchers feel that the levels found in Poe's hair were 30 times below the level necessary for mercury poisoning, so mercury most likely didn't kill him either. He wasn't poisoned. Like, I'm all for carbon monoxide poisoning being the cause, because it's like carbon monoxide poisoning is like the reason we have ghosts. And, I mean, one of the reasons we have ghosts. Like, not really, but like people think there are ghosts. So I'm always like, come on, be carbon monoxide poisoning. Let's teach a lesson. But I don't think so today. Post state of mind. The theory of suicide seems even more unlikely than the rest at first glance. After all, Poe wasn't found poisoned, hanged, or shot, which are the common associations one may have with suicide. However, Poe suffered from bouts of depression, so the idea of suicide is not entirely without merit. In fact, there are earlier references to the possibility of suicide. Charles Baudelaire, a contemporary of Poe's, referred to his death as almost a suicide, a suicide prepared for a long time. On top of that, Poe did in fact attempt suicide a year before his death by overdosing on laudanum. Dr. Ryan Boyd from Lancaster University did an analysis of Poe's writings, his poems, short stories, and personal letters to find indications of suicidal ideation. There is a definite link between language, depression, and suicide. By analyzing the poet's use of language, keeping his style and idiosyncrasies in mind, researchers can identify periods of the poet's life where he most likely suffered from depression. The letter that scores the highest, however, was a letter written in July 1849 to his aunt Maria Clems. Poe was already at risk for suicide. He had repeatedly lost people close to him, and despite his best attempts and the popularity of his writing, had been struggling financially for his entire life. Add to that his occasional struggles with alcohol and the poor relationship with his foster father that was never resolved and his overall poor health and things aren't looking too good at the time he wrote the letter he once again complained about his health and financial woes does this mean that poe tried to off himself there doesn't seem to be any clear evidence that this was his plan while drinking himself to death would certainly have been one way to do this thanks to his inconsistent doctor we'll never know if he was drunk on arrival so depression or suicide may not have been directly responsible but if he was suffering a depressive episode it could have affected his state of mind if he wasn't thinking clearly he could have walked into a situation he couldn't escape or it just adds to this plethora of things that i'm really coming around to believing killed poe it wasn't one specific thing i don't think it was a brain tumor or alcohol or all of this it was like okay so he was sick and he was depressed and he was cold 
and he went drinking, and this all leads to a bad outcome. The final verdict. So, what killed the master of horror? The truth is that we'll never know for sure, but most Poe historians believe that it was a combination of factors and circumstances. Excellent, I'm glad you all agree. Poe was quite ill when he left Richmond. It's plausible that by the time he reached Baltimore, he'd realized he was too sick to continue on and decided to remain in Baltimore and recover before either continuing on to Philadelphia or returning to New York. If he was suffering from a flu or pneumonia, he was probably experiencing a high fever already. If you combine a high fever with possible brain tumor, possible depression, and general poor health, you find yourself with a man whose decision-making skills would be highly impaired. This would leave him extremely vulnerable to violence such as a mugging, a beating, or cooping. It would also leave him open to suggestions. So if someone invited him out for a drink, he would most likely have accepted. Add a single glass of wine to this volatile situation, and Poe, wandering the streets, delirious, becomes a very real possibility. Yeah, I totally think this is what happened. I'm glad the historians are on the same page. While this explanation appeals to logic and common sense, and of course, Simon, because he loves logic and common sense. I'm far more intrigued by the mysteries. I mean, yeah, they're mysterious and they're intriguing and it's a good story. But I mean, really, it's... It's the obvious one. The first being, did... Oh, sorry, Ilza means the mysteries, like, outside of his death. Like, did Poe forget his trunk in Richmond or did he leave it behind? I also have to wonder about Dr. Carter's sword cane. I found this little nugget on the Edgar Allan Poe Society of Baltimore website, and I've been pondering it for a while. For a while. Did Poe realize that he had a sword with him? If he did, he arrived in Baltimore armed without possessions to slow him down. So was Poe expecting trouble? Nah, nah, nah. There is also the mystery of the five missing days and the clothes. Now, that is an interesting mystery. Even if he was in a feverish state stumbling through the streets, he had to have received food or at least the very, at least water from someone. So someone knew where he was. Was it the Coopers? Did a good Samaritan find a confused, soaking wet man in the street and give him dry clothes without realizing who he was? Whoever this caretaker was, they took their secret to their grave. The Mysterious Poe Toaster Of course, the mystery of Poe doesn't end with the poet's death. From 1949, precisely 100 years after the writer's death, to 2009, a mysterious figure visited the monument on January the 9th, the day of Poe's birth. The, I guess the, the, the monument where he's buried, right? Did we say that? I don't know, no. Okay, but that's where I'm assuming. The Poe Toaster, as the mysterious figure is known, was dressed in a black outfit with a white scarf and a big hat. He always arrived early in the morning, when it was still dark. Every year, it was the same ritual. The toaster would toast Poe with a small glass of cognac and leave three roses and the remainder of the cognac on the grave. In 1999, a note left at the monument suggested that the cloak of the toaster had been passed from father to son, and the last visit from the toaster was in 2009. Despite multiple attempts to unmask the secretive toaster, the identity of the original Poe toaster remains a mystery to this day, and the significance of the cognac and the three mo roses went with the toaster to his grave. In 2016, the Maryland Historical Society held auditions for a new official Poe Toaster, who will also remain anonymous to continue this strange tradition, keeping this delightful mystery around Edgar Allan Poe alive and well. Conclusion Did Poe wander the streets of Baltimore, delirious and confused, lost in his own macabre imagination, pursued by monsters only he could create? Was he kidnapped by villains as dark and devious as any of the characters he could come up with? Why did the Doctor keep changing his story? What did he know, and what did he have to hide? Who was this mysterious Reynolds character? Does he hold the key to the enduring mystery that is the death of Edgar Allan Poe? Does, I suspect, even Dupin will have trouble with this one. It's a mystery that will most likely remain unsolved. In his short story, The Premature Burial, Poe wrote, The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where the one ends 
and where the other begins. It seems somehow fitting that the father of the detective story, a writer well known for horror, would in death become the very thing he created in life. An unsolved gothic mystery with dark forces both abstract and real, engaging lovers of fiction for over 200 years. Now I'm no poet, but in honor of her I thought I'd try. Quoth the raven, nevermore. I challenge thee, dear raven, for while the poet himself is in a different dream, the tales and wonder he bestowed will be evermore. This, I like the I like the beginning and I like the end, Dilsa. This one was really nice. It, atmospheric at the beginning. Nice little poem at the end. I like this one, and that is the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please do consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a suggestion. Maybe what would you like us to see cover in the future? Who knows? Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. It's a mystery. And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening or watching. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.